Hello and welcome to Hello Governor of the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah and my guest today is, introduce yourself. Hi, it's uh, Steffi Cantonio. I had to get you to say your last name because it's, uh, it is a mouthful. <laughs> I mean, I want to know how to say your last name. Qutbuddin. Uh, okay, say it one more time. Qutbuddin. Qutbuddin? Qutbuddin. Qutbuddin. Do I have it, kind of? Sort of? Sort of, kind of, Okay, maybe. I'm so sorry. All right, all right, okay. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, it's kind of a relief to um, to to have more trouble saying somebody else's last name for once because my last name is just always, uh, it's just, it's weird because it it's not intimidating if you read it because it's very, like, it's just very melodic. It's Italian, so it's like Di Domenico Antonio. It's just... It's written how it sounds, whereas yours, there's a lot of consonances. You know what I mean? Yeah, and um, sometimes it it because again, when you're translating, you know, Arabic to English, there's not like a you know the the translation isn't always like 100% accurate, and sometimes like there are vowels in Arabic that don't right. exist in the English language. So like, how do you translate that? So right. my name has exactly. been missed. So my last name has been misspelled many times. Oh, I bet. And I don't even think that there is a proper like English uh, English way of writing it down. Oh, so I, I just see. go with like. Okay, Listen, well. I feel you. Like if if you ever want to talk about like last names getting butchered, like I fall in that category as well. It's it's a relief to find another one of us. Truly. I like my first question was like how many times was your last name misspelled because it had to oh, be more than more times than you can count. Listen, misspelled, okay, but like mispronounced. <laughs> can I tell you, Iva? Because I've been a performer kind of my whole life. Um, truly, like the amount of times that interviewers or news anchors have misspelled my name, like live on air even after like practicing so many times and just like legitimately just not even getting close to what it is. <laughs> it's uh, it's been pretty funny, actually. It's been, I wish, I wish like on my deathbed, somebody made like just a, a cut up, like just, just an edited version of every single time I've gotten introduced and my name getting butchered. Cause I think it would just be very, very funny. It's uh, I've heard some very creative ways of saying my last name. Uh, Stephanie, uh, blah, 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 Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it, it just always fascinates me because like, you know, you work in, you know, the entertainment industry or, you know, you, you're, you know, obviously, you know, a performer and, you know, when you're on stage or on a TV show or whatever, your name is always going to be, you know, in on people's minds because like you know they have to know like you know who's playing so and so and whatnot and mm -hmm. you know to have um to have a name like that is is must be really fascinating because it's like it must be a nightmare for casting directors and 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 people working on the credits yes. because they're like how do we spell this right <laughs> yes you know you know what it um it has been a challenging 
experience. The the good news is I got a nickname when I was like on Canadian Idol in 2006 when I was 16 years old. I had um yeah, my nickname became Steffi D because they just felt like Di Domenico Antonio was just too hard for people to maybe comprehend and maybe too hard for Ben Mulrooney to say who was the host of the show. So they actually decided to just um call me Steffi D, but then at the bottom of the screen when you could call in and vote, it was my full name, so at least you could see the full name. But then when I got into professional like acting um a couple of years after that, my agent hated that I was just Steffi D. So she told me, she's like, no, you have to go back to Di Domenico Antonio. It's much more interesting. Uh, we don't want you to just sound like a pop singer or something. So just use your full name. And uh, so, yeah, you know, it's been a long journey with the name. And uh, what do we really have if we don't have our names? You know what I mean? And uh, so, so yeah, it's been it's been quite an interesting journey. So, uh, you know, speaking of your journey, like how did, how did it, how did you get started? Like how, what made you want to get into acting? Well, listen, as long, as far as I can remember, my mom told me this crazy story when I was a kid that when I was, listen, probably four or five years old, I was watching TV and, uh, one day I just turned to her and I said, one day I'm going to be in there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, thus began like how, I don't know, passionate I became about wanting to take classes and um, kind of work at at doing just that. So I kind of started when I was really, really young taking classes. And then after that, um, yeah, when I was 16, I, I was on Canadian Idol, as I just mentioned. And then that opened up kind of a whole new path and journey for me. And then I had always done musical theater my whole life. So I had never sung a pop song in my life when I was on Canadian Idol. And then when I um, got off of Canadian Idol, I went back to high school. I graduated and then I went to theater school and then started working professionally um, after one year. So I'm a college dropout, just proudly so. And I got cast in the national tour of Spring Awakening. So I left. I went on the road. I performed the show over 600 times. And uh, yeah, like I- I've always been a big musical theater person. So that was always my first love. And uh, then, you know, after I moved back to Toronto, I kind of got into film and TV. And, you know, I did come from away and a uh, whole bunch of other musicals around the country and uh, in the United States and in uh, Canada. And now, like, I guess it brings us to this very point in time where I'm talking to you on your podcast. So that's in a nutshell, kind of what happened. It's it's very fascinating because like a lot of people that go on, you know, reality shows, you don't hear much of them from them, if ever, because it's like, it's just a one and done deal. But, you know, you managed to take your experience on, you know, Canadian Idol and be like, okay, I want to do this for a living. How can yeah. I, you know, how can I take this and make it into something bigger than it already is. And I, th- and I, and I commend you for doing that, honestly. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you to say. I, I feel like Canadian Idol opened up all of these doors that, that I hadn't even maybe considered. It, it kind of, it did propel me in a lot of ways. And I, I'm always very grateful for that experience. I think a lot of people have a hard time, um, 
thinking like what that must do to your mind being a 16 year old on a reality TV show, like performing in front of millions of people every week. Like when you stare down the barrel of the camera, it's like making eye contact with just millions and millions of Canadians all at once. But for me, it just solidified that I, I loved performing so much and that it was just like in my blood, you know, I just felt like I, it's something I needed to do. And uh, that feeling never went away, unfortunately. <laughs> I've always wanted to perform and always wanted to be an artist and always wanted to be in this business. And uh, it's been a wild ride, just full of ups and ups and some downs and some really amazing creative, uh, creative ventures. And yeah, it's been quite the learning curve. Um, now that I'm whatever years old. I'm not even going to tell you how old I am, but you can probably Google it. Um, yeah, it's crazy how I'm still learning about the business and the industry now, how I'm still learning new things, how the industry never ceases to kind of fascinate me and surprise me at every turn, even though I feel like I've been doing this professionally for like, it feels like a long time. Yeah, I know. I, I said this in another episode. It's like, you know, it's weird for me, you know, being in my 30s, seeing people be nostalgic for the 2000s because I'm like, yeah. the, 2000, the 2000s weren't that long ago, were they? And then you look at, you know, where we are now and it's like, all know, right. It's <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, I just, don't you remember? Listen, I don't know how old you are, but I grew up sans internet. And then in the internet like became a thing when I was like, I forget how old I was, but you know, it's crazy just thinking about how far we've come just with the internet. Like I remember MSN Messenger and like having to connect the thing and hear that weird thing. Now I see, now I have to ask you how old you are because you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe you're younger than me. <laughs> I'm 33. Uh -oh. I remember MSN Messenger. Oh, okay. Thank you. Listen, I'm just going to reveal it. I'm 34. So you remember what I'm talking about. Just the dial up and the sound that it made. I couldn't even imitate it if I tried, but just like, yeah, when we think about how far we've come, and how grainy movies from the 2000s look now. Have you tried to watch a movie that came out in the early 2000s, like recently? Oh, okay, okay. Off topic, but um, I I remember watching, I think it was Collateral with Tom Cruise from like 2004. Oh, yeah? yeah. And the HD transfer on that has done, has done that movie no favors. It looks... Yeah. Awful. grainy as all hell and yeah. i'm like this was made in 2004 how can it look grainy? i know like literally only like basically 20 years ago and like movies like look like i don't know also i do think like personally like no shade on gen z but everybody who kind of lived through like vhs's and cds and tapes like cassette tapes i think we're just made of a different material like the fabric of our beings it's just like we're sturdier than the rest. I really do think so. Yeah, no. Um, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, VHSs because we were cleaning house a while ago, and mm -hmm. my mom came across like this old chest of, of of things that she had forgotten about, and it was, and I, and yeah. I kid you not, it was, it was this box full of not VHS tapes. Oh no, Betamax tapes of oh. like. Just stuff we were this just stuff they recorded off TV because that's how they could watch stuff from TV back in those oh days. Because it's like 
we didn't have streaming. We didn't, you know, we didn't have cable. We didn't have any of that stuff. You know, just just tape stuff and and just like tape trade it. And it's yeah, it was just this this nostalgic treasure trove of stuff oh, that yeah. I I'm like we're not throwing this out. This is like, this is a gold mine of stuff. Oh no, of course not. I'm a huge, like I'm a, a huge um antiques fan and thrifting fan. Like I love doing that stuff. And I just think like the treasures, I always beg my parents when they're cleaning out the basement, I beg them. I'm like, please do not throw anything out. Like you don't understand the, the, the dose of like dopamine it gives me to see like, uh, you know what I mean? Like a, a little mermaid VHS tape, like in the OG, like Disney thing. Like I just, there's something about those things. It's just like, I remember also when Netflix was a machine at the grocery store that like you could rent the movie in the machine. Do you remember that? And we, we don't, we didn't have those here, but like, I would see oh, okay. the, you know, when I, yep. when, whenever we would travel, I would see like, you know, letterbox i think it was called you know where it was sure just, yeah where it was hey just these... do you do you have um did you have blockbuster video over there uh we didn't but we had like a, a lot of local video stores okay and... yeah yeah like a video store okay yeah because blockbuster like i just remember friday night after school going to the store like with my family and picking out a movie and if the movie wasn't there you couldn't watch it. That meant that all the copies had been rented. Like, I just think the Gen Zers, they, do, they don't know how good they have it, that everything is on demand and on command. You know what I mean? Like, you just go on Netflix.com and watch and hours and hours and hours, like hundreds of thousands of hours of content. You know, we, we didn't go down YouTube rabbit holes back then. You know what I mean? It was go to Blockbuster with your parents and pick out a movie. You were lucky if it was there and it was a new release, you know? Also, like, I I didn't go to the theater a lot as a kid. Okay. So I didn't watch a lot of trailers. So a lot of times when I'm going to those VHS stores, all I had going for me was the cover. Like, it was like, right. that's all I had. It's like either the cover looked, if the cover looked good enough for me, I would, I'd be like, okay, let's, let's watch this. But if yep. it wasn't, then I wouldn't be interested in it because I, I didn't I didn't watch the trailers. Like, I, right. you know, I, I had no yeah. context for anything. It's like, oh, this this movie poster looks interesting. Uh, let's watch this. You know, That's this title looks and interesting. And you had the blurb in the back, too. You know, like the little synopsis in the back. Sometimes you could read that, look at the little pictures and like see if it grabbed you. Yeah, I totally get that. It's just it's it's wild how far we've come, truly. I don't know how we got on this tangent, but I'm glad we did. No, I it's just like every time someone mentions like, hey, do you remember VHS tapes? Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? I'm like, yes, I do. Let's <laughs> just oh, like, yeah. you know, like good, good. Again, I don't know. I didn't know how old you were. So I was like, I could be talking to a Gen Zer, you know, right now <laughs> oh, and insulting gosh. them right now. <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 yeah. I'm like, look, man, if, if someone, I, I feel again, I know 33 isn't that old, but like, whenever I see, thank someone, you for saying that. Whenever mm -hmm. I see someone talking about something that I have no idea what they're talking about, I feel like a dinosaur. And I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? I don't understand. I, <laughs> I still don't know how TikTok works. Like I got a TikTok and then I opened it and 
my friends were like, man, I, I lose so many hours on TikTok just watching stuff. I don't even understand how you watch stuff on there. Like, I don't even know literally how it works. I feel so embarrassed I just said that out loud. But every time I open that app, I'm like, I I don't even understand. Like, where's the home button? Like, how can I, it doesn't work like Instagram. Like, I don't even know. I guess that's how old I am. Yeah. And, and especially when, you know, you're, you know, going back to, you know, your career, especially when you're in the entertainment industry and you get a lot of people saying like, oh, you have to be on social media to promote your stuff. You have to be on social media. You mm -hmm. have to be on social media. And mm -hmm. then you find yourself like creating accounts on all these like social media apps that you just don't use. Right. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but how does this benefit me? <laughs> right. You know, I've always flirted with the idea of like, how amazing would it be if I was just an influencer on Instagram? Like, wouldn't that be the life? Like people would give you free stuff all the time to promote. You get maybe free trips, free dinners. You could like just live off of making content. And uh, I, I, I don't think I would like literally be able to do it because I don't understand how the plat the platforms work properly. <laughs> so I, yeah, now like, am I considered, are we considered elder millennials or are we considered like, are we in the, the meat of it in the middle? I don't even know anymore. It's just like, mm. you know, the past three years have just been kind of a blur for me. It's like time oh, yeah. has lost all meaning, you know, after COVID yes. it's like, I don't yep. even know how old some people are anymore. It's like, oh, you're, you're like 52, 53. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> you know what? You know what I want to do? I want to go back to the age that I was before COVID happened and then not age the three years that COVID was like ruining all of our lives. Like I want to go back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I, I think we need a redo of the last three years. Don't you think? I mean, we kind of need a redo of the last seven years, but, uh, you know. <laughs> sure. yeah, that too, honestly go as far back as you want. Like we can, yeah, I want to have all my birthdays back that I, I didn't have during COVID cause I was in my apartment by myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh God. There was nothing more depressing than, um, reaching out to, to people I know and being like, Hey, are you free to on, on, on my birthday? I really want to hang out with, with you guys on, on Zoom, Zoom or something. Like I really want to hang out on Zoom. I mean, you know, one of the hobbies I took up during the pandemic was, well, I took up a lot of hobbies, like way too many hobbies because I was trying to keep myself busy. But one of the funnest things that I found was, um, online Zoom karaoke. And it was like just a bunch of strangers from like all over Canada, just clicking on this link, like ending up in this chat. And then people would go up and like do karaoke on Zoom. And honestly, one of my favorite things to do is go to karaoke bars here in Toronto. And um, I, I miss that so much. And then when I found this group that did that, like every Friday night for a few weeks, I was just going on the zoom call and like singing karaoke songs with a bunch of strangers like around the world like it was just bizarre like it was just weird oh yeah by the way i'm in toronto ontario canada right now just in case i don't know if you knew that or if i needed to say that because we're so far away we're so far away from each other I know it's it's crazy. It's like it's it's magic, isn't it? Like talking to people from the other side of the world. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's so wild. When I saw your email come in, I was like, I can't even begin to imagine how somebody would have somebody in Kuwait would even know remotely 
to ask me like, Hey, do you want to be on my podcast? I don't like, can you tell me now for all of your listeners to hear? Because I want to hear the story too. How did you even come across the website that you messaged me through? Like, how did this happen? Okay, so um, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but um... oh, I love it, and now everybody's gonna know this. <laughs> oh story. man, it's 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 one of those things where how do I find most of the people I find on my podcast? It's either I because I look at the credits, I've become like obsessed with looking at credits, oh, okay. and especially if I'm like watching a show, I had I I don't know half the cast. Like if I if I'm watching a show and I don't recognize someone from the cast i'm like huh they sound interesting i wonder you know i wonder what who who they got to do that character who they got to do that voice or whatever so and um again you know during quarantine times um one of my favorite shows i i I watched was ollie's pack and (laughs) i think Oh my god i think i'm like the only one who even remembers that show even exists but uh Oh my God, you can't, okay, you can see me, but obviously your listeners can't. And my jaw just dropped. So what you're telling me is that you watched Ollie's pack religiously. And then I just, I was Ashlore in that. And then you like just went on IMDb, looked at the credits, looked that it was me. And then this is how we're here right now. Yeah, I'm like, because it's like. (laughs) This is amazing. I'm like living for this. Because, uh, you know, again, it was quarantine. And I remember when we were in quarantine, yeah. like all I all I could do was just like sit, sit at yeah. home and watch like satellite and, and Ollie's pack would come on. And I'm like, OK, yeah. this looks interesting. You know, yeah. I wonder if anyone else watched this and nobody else watched this, like trying to find any information about that show was kind of yes. hard because it's like, yeah, no, it was hard. I don't I don't blame you because I tried to watch it, too. And I, I know this is going to sound crazy. I don't have cable, which is crazy because I'm an actor. But, you know, all the streaming services and whatever. I did end up getting my hands on the episodes I was in. But like so it's it's honestly it's blowing my mind right now that you watched the show and that you found me just based on like the, that, the few episodes I did on that show. I'm amazed. <laughs> Cause I like your character. And then, and, and, and because she's like this bounty hunter who's basically just mm-hmm. like infatuated with the, you know, the main character. And yes. she was just like yes. really hilarious. And I'm just like, Oh, this, this woman's having a, the time of her life with this character. Yeah. Oh my God. I was. And can I tell you, the story about that is so wild. Like me getting cast in that show. No joke. Like, obviously, don't tell my agent this, but I'm a very organized, punctual person. But this particular audition self-tape that I got, I forgot about it. So here I was like going through my email and going like, didn't I have something important to do today? And sure enough, I'm like, crap, I, I had this 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 voiceover audition to do. So here I am like, locking myself in my my closet but that's where I do like all my voiceover stuff when I have an audition and I I I put it together put my audition together like rather quickly I did only a few takes I was like okay like she's a bad guy bounty hunter she's like a snake like thing is all I knew I hadn't seen a drawing so I was just like I'll just put on like my best evil voice I guess and just like do that and um, I haven't worked in animation a lot. I've done like, uh, you know, a few things, like a handful of things. My main bread and butter is like musical theater and some film and TV, like in in person, I mean. 
And, uh, and when I booked that gig, I can't tell you how happy I was. It was so exciting. And it felt like such a new bucket list thing. Um, and originally it was just going to be, I think an episode or two, and then it ended up being a, a couple more or a few. And just like the, when I got in there and they showed me the picture of the, the character, <laughs> I laughed so hard because I am a self-proclaimed like girly girl, I guess I like love just girly things. I love getting dressed up and putting on makeup and pink and whatever. And when I saw the drawing of that thing, <laughs> it just made me laugh so hard. I was like, of course I'm playing uh, a character who looks like this, just like a, yeah. And, and the dichotomy between the way she looks and the way Ollie looked and just how in love she was with him. I loved how the writer really laid into it the more that I kind of showed up in the season and uh yeah it was it was such a cool experience and when I ended up seeing the episodes I just yeah I think you wouldn't be able to tell it was me like if I told my friends like watch this episode and try to point out which character I was voicing I don't think I don't know it was just such a far departure from what I sound like in real life. Did you know I would sound like this in real life? Or did you think I was going to sound like Ashlore? No, I I had no idea like what, what your actual voice sounds like, because, okay. you know, right. again, before I even looked you up, I'm like, okay, you know, this, this, this sounds, this sounds like a really cool voice. I wonder like what her actual voice sounds like. And then I, you know, looked you up right. and, you know, Saw you know saw you know young you on um Canadian Idol because that's like yes the first thing that pops up on Google whenever you look up your name. I so. know my name, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I can't tell you how much you just made my day by saying that. Like that is <laughs> that's just so much fun. I love that you watched the show. I love that you got intrigued by by the actor behind the voice. I guess, and I'm happy that you're um. You're hearing you're hearing me IRL right now, you know, over Zoom, over, you know, so many we're so many countries apart. Um, but this is really cool. I I love I'm really glad that I'm on your podcast, but I asked you a question because I can't tell you, like before I came online today, I was voice noting with a couple of friends. I was like, I'm doing this this podcast with this person and I don't even know how they found me. They're literally so far away. I I'm going to have to ask. Like, I have to ask because this is too wild. Um, just goes to show, though, like, this, this is really cool. Like, um, I, I can't even believe the show was airing where you were. And, like, isn't that crazy? That's crazy that we're here right now. Yeah, I know. And again, because it was just such a crazy time in in my life, obviously, yeah. you know, 2020 was crazy for everybody. But still, like, you know, it was one of the highlights of the pandemic was just like finding, you know, these like hidden gem shows that. Yeah, yeah. I, otherwise, I would I would have never watched the, those types of shows if I wasn't like stuck at home with nothing to do all day. Because it's like, yes, of course, because it's yeah. like, well, you're stuck at home. You can't leave. You know, yeah. you know, you got because I remember our my my sister was was with us and my nephew was with us and you know yeah because you know they they couldn't go anywhere because you know it's like yes of course nobody could really everything was on lockdown and 
one one of the things that that we would do was like I would watch you know cartoons with him, and you know all these pack was one of those shows we would watch, and you know I love that but, so much. I mean, he he didn't care for it, but I'm like, you know what, this is kind of cool, you know? <laughs> like, it's, yeah, you know? yeah, it was a really cute show. I thought they did a really good job. It was like nice and funny, and honestly, that cast was um almost intimidating to be in the room we did a lot of a lot of my my scenes anyway we did in a group record recording session um and honestly it was so intimidating because they were all so funny and so good and I felt like I was such a newbie at all the stuff that it, it was just like a really cool learning experience that cast was really just fun and interesting and I loved like I loved the arc that my character had just like being hopelessly in love um, with this character with Ollie. And then, you know, like, yeah. And then trying to trap him into being in a relationship with her and that doesn't work. And then she falls in love with the dark cube at the end. Well, she falls in love. They decide like maybe, maybe it makes sense that they're just together, you know? And, uh, I just, I love that arc. And also it just reminded me so much of my dating life. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, and I, and I'm just like such a huge fan of the unrequited, you know, un, uh, you know, I don't unrequited know what, love, yeah, unrequited of course. love trope. <laughs> I, I don't know why yeah. that's so funny to me. I don't know why I yes. enjoy it so much. Like every time you like you introduce a character who's like madly in love with a character with another yes. character who doesn't even know that they exist. I'm just yes. like, I, yes, that, that is my bread and butter. Like, give me more of this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really funny. You're right. It's like a really fun trope to play into. Um, it's just not fun when it's happening to you in real life, right? Or is it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I okay, you know, full disclosure, you know, fiction, fine. But like, you know, in yeah. real life, if you're going to be, you know, stalking someone and stuff like that. No, 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 I, I, you're right. You're right. Don't worry. I didn't I didn't do that. I promise. Um, I bear no resemblance to my physically or emotionally to the character I played on Ollie's pack. So just to just to clarify, you know. And I just well, this the- is wild. Can I just say, like, I think this is amazing. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I, uh, who knew that we would be here today? I know. (laughs) Because you went down a rabbit hole and there was nothing else to do. So you were like, oh, I like this character. I like this person's voice. Like, I'm going to Google it. (laughs) So great. (laughs) I don't even know that that my messages were going to go through. Because like, sometimes I just fill out forms and just like cold email anybody I can, I recognize. And sometimes they reply, sometimes I don't. And you know, I didn't even know it even went through and it when because when I looked at my email and I and I saw it that you know you replied, I'm like, oh crap, when did I send this? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Listen, you you had sent it uh, like a couple of months prior, I think. What happened? I was doing a show at the time and it was really busy and I was just like, I'm gonna get back to this person, but I'm gonna get back to them after I close the show. So close the show, the summer happened. I was doing a whole bunch of summer stuff that people do in the summer. And then um I was just the other day combing through my email, going like, you know how you leave unread messages in your email? Like right now I can see my email. There's like 50 unread emails, but it's not all from today. I mean like it's like it's from years of messages that some messages maybe I left on red because I was like oh I want to 
come circle back to this at some point. Well, I was circling back and I was like, oh my God, I never got back to this person. Let's, let's get it done. And like, what a thrill it is to now be actually talking to you. Um, it's really cool. So thank you for inviting me. And I was also surprised that, you know, you, you know, your major, you know, a ma- major theater player in, in the, you know, Canadian scene. I was like, I was imp- yeah. really impressed by that. Cause it's like, that's, that's another thing that it's like, that fascinated me because like, oh, that's another aspect of, of, uh, you know, uh, of acting that I don't really touch upon that much. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? I want to like diverse, diversify, diversify the content of the podcast a little bit, you know, sure. just like focus on different stuff, you know, every, mm-hmm. every now and again, cause like live action and, and, and animation is fun and all, but like, after a while, it's like, you get so tired of like doing so many back-to-back anime episodes and it's like, yeah, I need a change. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm so glad. Welcome to the dark side of theater. Then I will answer any questions that you have. I've been in the theater world for so long, just since I was a kid, I was always a big musical theater nerd. And uh, yeah, live performance is unlike any other art form. Like it's just such a completely different give and take and like a synergy that happens between audience members and people who are on stage. It's just a completely different thing. And having done some film and TV stuff as well, so stuff that's pre-recorded, it's just such a different experience. Um, especially that when you think about film and TV, everything's kind of like out of your control other than your performance. Everything kind of gets edited together and put, put together how the director wants and the editor wants. And you never kind of have control over that. And then theater, it's like, it's kind of all on you. It's like running a marathon. Usually you're doing eight shows a week in six days. Like theater performers are incredible. (laughs) I love how I just said that. Like I'm blowing smoke, you know, Uh, up my own butt. Um, (laughs) But theater, all theater professionals are incredible performers because when you think about the stamina and the energy that it takes to like basically run a marathon like every night in front of people. And it's just such a, it's a really, really incredible art form. And like sitting in a theater, a dark theater with a bunch of strangers. I love being a spectator of theater and I love being in theater, obviously, but I am just like a huge fan of the art form because I just find it's happening in front of you right here right now no two performances are really the same um you know like you just never know what might happen there's a a bit of danger there's a bit of like unpredictability there's you know there's really an energy exchange that happens between audience and and actors and uh you don't get that really in in the recorded stuff or animation or any of that kind of stuff if that makes any sense yeah, because it's a different animal. It's it's a different you know beast that you gotta tame. You know, pardon yeah, the, totally. pardon the uh, pretentious pun there, but uh, you know it's, no, it's no. because it's you know you're you're not only in front of a lar- large audience in person and doing scenes in real time. You also got to make sure that everybody can hear you, like everybody in the back, in the front, yeah. in the middle. Everybody can hear mm-hmm. you. Otherwise, it's like oh no, you know it's. Yeah, it's like a different, that's exactly it. I think it it requires a different kind of physical and emotional and stamina overall. That's just like, yeah, it's different. And um, I, I thank, 
I thank my theater training for so much because yeah, projecting and, you know, using your body and your vocal cords, your instrument. Like when you think about it, like artists who who do theater or any kind of acting, really, it's just like, we are our instrument. Like, this is what you have to be able to play. Like this is kind of how you tell stories and tell truth and convey characters and arcs and all that stuff. And yeah, like theater is just different in terms of again, the stamina is different. It's just like it takes, it's a completely different beast. That's exactly it. Out of all the productions you've been a part of, which one would you say was the toughest? Ooh, like the hardest physically, emotionally, overall. I mean, in general. Ooh, okay. That's really difficult. Man, oh man. Well, listen, I... I can think of a couple of contracts I've done here in Canada that were really, really difficult. Um, You know, I did a musical called Next to Normal a couple of times in my career, actually. Um, And that was like hard subject matter and difficult material to to sing. Uh, It was a mostly sung, uh, completely sung through musical. So it was like two and a half hours of like belting and belting and belting for everybody and it was only a five person cast I think five or six oh my god I can't remember but it was a very small cast and all of us just had to carry a huge load and that emotionally it's also about um, a mother who's dealing with uh, bipolar disorder and uh, yeah I was playing her daughter her teenage daughter her rebellious uh, teenage daughter Um, and that was a really hard gig in terms of doing that eight times a week emotionally and uh, physically, like the stamina to sing the material eight times a week was difficult. Um, I also did a play here in Toronto. It was called Five Faces for Evelyn Frost. And uh, I did it. I performed the show both in English and French. I'm a native French speaker. It's my first language. And um, I got cast to, to play this part in the show. It was a five hander. And, um, the the script was honestly unlike anything I've ever done before. It was not a musical, but it was the hardest thing I've ever had to memorize in my entire life. It was like under two hours and every single sentence started with me doing this, me doing that, me doing this, me doing that literally for two hours. But it was them just like everybody just naming lists And I can't tell you during that contract, I would wake up like literally in a hot sweat in the middle of the night, just like running through my lines because it was so, it was such a stressful, it felt like a a supernatural thing that the five of us did because we learned it in French and in English and performed it like... only with a week rehearsal in between to, to switch over the language of the, listen, it was one of the hardest things I've honestly ever, ever, ever had to do. And to this day, I'm amazed. We all got through that contract without screwing up. It was, yeah, amazing. But it was one of the coolest things I've ever done also, because it was so, it was just so out of this world. <laughs> so I would say those two maybe are the two that maybe stand out the most in terms of the hardest maybe theater gigs I've ever had. So you not only had to learn a play in like one language, you also had to learn it in another language. And then you also yeah. had to like do 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 a play in both languages for, for eight weeks straight. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like it's, um, yeah, it's a crazy, it's crazy. And when I was on tour with a musical called spring awakening, I went on the, the U S national Broadway tour of that show. Uh, I performed the show 620 times or something. And then when I got cast in come from away here in Toronto, and I've done it on tour as well, I performed the show 950 something times. And again, like, the thing about theater that's really interesting is that you have to keep you have to keep the flame alive also night after night no matter how many times you've said those words no matter how many times you've sung those songs just no matter how many times you have to perform it like it's your first time performing it because it's usually people's first time watching it and you never know who you might you might like change somebody's life that day. I find that theater can be this amazingly cathartic experience for people watching and people on stage. But I, yeah, I always, you always have to remind yourself again, it's like running a marathon. It's like, it's just finding, finding the love of it day after day, no matter how many times you've performed a specific story. It's just like, yeah, it's such a different, it's a different beast. I, I can imagine. Cause it's just, you know, again, not only being in front of a live audience and doing a show live, but also, you know, keeping it, like you said, keeping it fresh for everybody, you know, keeping it mm -hmm. like you could do like the same, you could play the same character, do the same lines over and over again, and you might get sick of it, but you know, the audience cannot, you know, know that you're getting sick of it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't say I've ever been in a place where, believe it or not, Spring Awakening and Come From Way are two extraordinary shows. If you don't know them, go listen to the soundtrack or even just read about the stories. They're just like incredible musicals. I never, ever got bored of doing both of those. They were so wildly different in so many ways, but I never got bored. The story always uh, felt really important to me. And I think that's why, it, yeah, it was just such a, such an incredible experience. And Spring Awakening in itself was, I think, one of my wildest dreams coming true. I was always a huge, huge fan of the show when it came out on Broadway. And um, I just like always knew I was like, whatever I do in my career, like I need to be in this show. I need to I need to tell the story. I need to sing these songs like it. kind, It was kind of the show that changed my life, to be honest. Um, personally, I feel like when I saw it, I had I had one of those cathartic experiences I'm kind of describing um, that other I, I know I've had other people have had in the theater but it just changed my world when I saw it. Um, and then I, I just like worked so hard and kind of tried to visualize myself getting into this show. So when it happened, it was the biggest dream come true, you know? And I think that's why I never got bored of that one. And then come from away was another, like one of those contracts that I think will never, like I'll never be a part of something as special as that was. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the show at all. It's very Canadian and American, so I wouldn't be surprised if you hadn't. But it uh, takes place in Gander, Newfoundland um, uh, after the 9-11 attacks. And uh, it's just about these people in this town of like 7,000 people. They take in um, thousands and thousands of strangers around the world and like take them into their 
homes and, you know, uh, it's just this beautiful story about human kindness packed into like a hundred minute show, no intermission, just this beautiful story about how humans can be love and light and kind. And it's all a true story too. Uh, just like all the events that happen in the show actually happened in real life at the time of, you know, 9-11 and in the, you know, in the wake of, of that. And it's just like, yeah, I, I think I, I've been really lucky, but um, theater is just, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and that's not discrediting how amazing animation and uh, film and TV also are. They're just incredible for such different reasons. They're just two completely different kinds of storytelling. And isn't that why anybody wants to be an actor to begin with is like the storytelling, you know, aspect of it. Yeah, really. totally. Yeah. So sometimes it's just like, yeah, telling stories just in different ways. Um, yeah. Like I feel like being an artist through and through you just, um, yeah, I think I love, I love people. You know what? I love people so much. I'm a big people person. I'm an extroverted extrovert. I love meeting new people, making new friends um, talking to strangers on the internet who don't live in Canada or anywhere near me. Um, I just, yeah, I love people. And I find no matter who you meet, you honestly never know what they've gone through and you never know what their story is. And if you start asking questions, like, I feel like there's always something really cool to learn about people. And I find that being an actor, being an artist like that, yeah, you're just like, I guess you have to work at being a professional human and getting curious about people and getting curious about characters and telling stories and kind of opening up your vulnerability to different things. It's just like, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's what the work is. And the, it's really cool. And then there's people like you uh, on the internet who end up reaching out to people like me and going like, Hey, I liked your character in this thing, which is why I wanted to talk to you, which is like really cool. I mean, you, n you never know, like sometimes with, with the power of the internet and, and stuff being wildly yeah. available and, yeah. and, and it's, it's funny. You mentioned like, you know, having conversations and, you know, talking to people, you know, one of the reasons I, I, you know, did this, sh I do the show is because I, I, I love hearing other people's stories. I love like, just having conversations with people. I love it when, yeah. whenever someone says, oh, I listened to one of your podcasts and, and I loved what you did because it's conversational. It doesn't feel like a regular interview. I'm like, yes, because yeah, that's yeah. what I'm going for. <laughs> yeah, perfect. You nailed it. Yeah. I mean, if this episode is going to be any indication, we did go on a tangent about like VHS tapes and Blockbuster and Netflix. And so, yes, I I, I would argue also that I love your, your uh, podcast style. I think this is the way to do it. I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> um, what was the best and worst advice you've ever been given as an actor? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a really interesting question. The best advice I've ever gotten as an actor. You know what? The best advice I ever got as an actor was this. I forget who gave me the advice, but I know that it never left me. That at the end of the day, you need to bring yourself to every part that you're playing you need to bring yourself to any audition that you're doing because at the end of the day, no one can emulate you. 
Um, and I've said this before, I think, to to some people in the industry that I genuinely believe, like genuinely believe that there's a hundred girls who can sing higher than me. There's a hundred girls who can probably act better than me. There's a hundred girls who, you know, like you could compare yourself literally all day to people and to other artists. But at the end of the day, um, what you bring to the table is so unique um, that any words from any script that's coming out of your mouth is is inevitably going to be different than than somebody else doing the same script. And I think that's why um, there might be a lot of competition, so to speak, in quotation, air quote, quotation marks, but um, competition in the business. But at the end of the day, it's like you're serving a very different brand of something um, from person to person. So there's no, I don't know, like there's no nobody can emulate what you can offer that goes for really any job I would say but in acting I guess your person is more at the forefront because you're again your body's the instrument so you kind of what you're giving out is like you're 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 serving up and you're offering your experience as a human being and where you come from and I think that that permeates um, the work and the scripts and the songs and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's the best advice I ever got. And that I always held really, really close to my heart. As for the worst advice I ever got, it's funny. Like I can't think of worst advice I've ever gotten though. I will say I've gotten like bad feedback about stuff and, and things that the industry's full of, it's a fickle business that can be full of fickle people. And um, I think like I, I have gotten some, some just, you know, sometimes some, some less than favorable feedback. Um, I'm not sure how to explain that kind of just like, I think the thing that I'm trying to say is no matter the crappy things people have said to me or my peers and my colleagues in the business or no matter what kind of like bad reviews I've gotten in a show or critics didn't like the show or me in it or everybody's always going to have an opinion. So honestly, if I have gotten bad advice, I've honestly forgotten about it because it's just water off of a duck's back at this point. It's just it is um, it can be a tricky business. You know, you can get in your head a lot and it can be difficult to kind of separate yourself from the work and not get too in your head and too self-conscious and all that stuff that I think I've made a point to maybe not take bad advice that I thought was bad advice, but everything is subjective. So it's hard to say, but I can't think of anything that I was like, oh my gosh, one time somebody told me to X, Y, Z. And I was like, what? That's the craziest thing I ever heard that I don't think that's happened. But I also think that anytime that um, people have opinions or things that you don't like, you can just choose to go, you know what, I don't think that's helpful. And I'm not going to listen to that. Or I'm not going to internalize that. And I'm going to go on my merry way. Because being an artist is already hard enough that sometimes, even on a the best of days, it can be difficult. So when you're getting bad advice, hopefully you can, you can know that it's bad advice. And that you can kind of go, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that on because I don't think that's going to work for me. So there you go. Maybe. I don't know if that answered your question, but I can't think of anything specific. I mean, you you kind of have to have, like, I feel 
you kind of have to have thick skin to to be just in general these days because there's always going to be someone who doesn't like what you do. Like, I know like there are plenty yes. of people who don't like my podcast. I know like there are probably plenty of, of people I reached out to that said like they had no interest in, in doing the show for whatever reason. Right. And that's fine. Like they're, they're entitled to their opinion, but at the same time, it's like, I can't let the rejections get to me because I've said this before, like people, people often say, Oh, you've gotten like so, so many wonderful guests on your show. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, but I, I'm, I've gotten more no's than yeses. So if you enjoy what oh, I do, yeah. if you enjoy what I do, please understand that the, the, this podcast is, is, is a, is a, is a yes in an, in an ocean of no's. Yes. Well, then you understand what it's like being an actor then. <laughs> it's like literally oceans of no's. And like sometimes when all the stars align, you get that coveted yes. And uh, so I understand that really, really well. Like it's, um, yeah, you do have to have thick skin. And I think you're you're doing it right that, yeah, it's like, yeah. And sometimes the the yeses are the things that are like meant to come along on your path that help you grow or help you become a better artist or podcaster or like whatever. And uh, yeah, and then you let the nose kind of roll off your back and you forget about it. You know what I mean? I'm lucky enough that I have like selective amnesia. Like sometimes, I don't know, I, I, I tend to block out bad things or bad experiences really easily. So I'm lucky like that. So the nose, I feel like are like, they're far behind me usually. Sometimes some of them hurt a little bit more. I'm sure you know that too. But uh, yeah, like, yeah, sometimes you really want a part or it's like, oh, I feel so right for this. Like, I hope they're looking for somebody like me and whatever. And then sometimes it doesn't work out and those ones really hurt. But honestly, like, you just got to take everything with a grain of salt. It's uh, it's just like, again, it's, it can be a fickle, fickle business. You just have to love the industry that you're in and just like, yeah, revel in the yeses and leave the nose behind. Yeah, um, that's that's something I had to learn, you know, the hard way because obviously, like, you know, it was it was kind of hard for me not to get frustrated, especially during you know quarantine where everyone was just like sitting at home and doing nothing. I'm like, yes. it was hard for me not to just yell out, "Well, but you're sitting at home doing nothing. Why aren't you like, you know, you know, doing yeah. my podcast or whatever?" But it's like it's fine, you know. I can't, I can't force people to to come on this show. I've gotten no's before. I've, I mean. Uh, I mean, for for goodness sake, I can't even get like people that have already been on the show to come back and do like a oh my goodness. Episode. So it's like, you know, Listen, it's fine. It you know, it's it's maybe you know. they figure like I already said everything I needed to say. The other thing is sometimes you gotta accept that like people, you know, that people are like always going sometimes it's not about you basically is what I'm saying. Like sometimes it couldn't be further from being about you, but I think as human beings, we tend to internalize rejection and internalize a lot of things when sometimes honestly it has nothing to do with us. And yeah, I totally get that. I just feel like it's a good exercise in general to just like let things go. I think, I think that's like also one of the things I learned during the, the pandemic, just like, yes, everybody was sitting at home and yes, we were all scared. And the amazing human thing that happened during quarantine specifically and isolation was 
I think I realized for the first time, I was like, man, the world right now, the entire world, not just like one country or one household or one city even, everybody was going through the same thing, like collectively at the same time. Like, isn't that kind of wild to think about? Like, it's a moment in time where everything froze, everything at the same time for everybody. I know. And it's like, and I'll admit this, I even recorded and I remember recording an episode when, when it was announced that everything was, was getting shut down. And I, mm. I, 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 I regret that episode. I do. I can't listen to that episode anymore because I was just. You know, when you're when you're told, oh, everything's shutting down and what have you, yeah. and then you know you have to yeah. record an episode. I was just, I was angry, I was frustrated, oh, yeah. I was like scared, like because we, like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even, I don't even remember half what 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 we even talked about during that episode, because yeah. it was just like we were just like, I think we were all like in survival mode, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like... Lit- quite literally in survival mode, not just like some therapy talk like i mean like we were literally in survival mode people were trying to stay alive <laughs> um yeah i th- i think our our bodies do crazy things when they're trying to protect us and um yeah i think the darkness that came on with the pandemic was really wild like it was just i don't think any one of us will ever experience well i hope not my god experience something like that again in our lifetimes like it was it was like, just think about it, how we're talking about VHSs in the early 2000s and like, sorry, movies in the early 2000s and VHSs is how eventually we'll be talking like detached, like about the pandemic. Isn't that kind of weird? Like in 20 years, we'll just be like, oh my God, remember COVID? Like remember shutdown when everything was shut down, literally couldn't go anywhere for like years. You couldn't see anybody. You couldn't. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that, that we lived through something like that um, in our lives. Isn't that kind of crazy? It's crazy. I know. And I remember going to a convention, uh, you know, back in January of this year, you know, talking to people I've I've had on the podcast or meeting virtually for the first time. And it's just like, and, and all the, and throughout the entire time I was talking to, to, to a lot of those people, th- that thought you know, kept creeping into my head. It's like, man, isn't it weird just talking to people face to face when like a year ago you were just talking via Zoom? (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's such a different experience to feel people's energies and people who are not use energies. I live alone here in Toronto and um, yeah, it's weird to think like now, if you told me, Hey, you have to go into shutdown, like shutdown mode, like you can't see anybody for three months or five months or six months or like two years, I don't know how, how I would do it. Like, I think we, we all did that. I think it was like a supernatural thing that we just all went, Oh yeah, this is just something we need to do to survive and like not get sick and not get other people sick. And, you know, it's just like out of necessity, we had to do it. But if you told me right now, like, Hey, you can't see anyone, you have to stay in your apartment. I think I would have flashbacks of just like oh my god I, I don't think i could do it again i just don't think so oh goodness no i i even said this i think um on like one of the social medias i don't remember which one but uh 
I said, you know, if there was ever another pandemic, I don't know if I can handle it. I honestly, because oh. Oh like people, I agree uh, with you. Like people underestimate like how bad the past three years were. Yes, like people myself just included. Because un- again, like I told you, I was like, I'm good at blocking out some negative stuff. But <laughs> yes, I think people do underestimate how I think traumatic it was as a collective. And also, I think the new wires that we created in our brains of just like, I remember the first couple of times I I went out and saw people after being in quarantine for so long that I was like scared to be near them. Like it was like, yeah, did that happen to you? Like you were out in public and you got, I got scared of people, which for me is really weird because I love people. I love being around people. It was just like, just changed like our brain chemistry, I think we just don't realize it yet. Oh no, I feel the same way. Like I still keep my distance. I'm still like, you know, I'm more cautious about getting sick now than I was. Yes, <laughs> me <ever> too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I've never, I'm still using hand sanitizer a lot. Like Purell, they must be millionaires at this point. Truly, um, yeah, it was it was the time to just bake bread and make hand sanitizer really like what else was there to do you know oh especially when um when my family caught it and i was like the only one who didn't have it i'm like you know you do not oh my gosh congratulations like you do not come near me (laughs) yeah did you ever get it at all nope Thankfully, you haven't gotten it once. Nope. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You're such an anomaly. I knew one person who hadn't gotten it and recently she got it. And for me, I got it once when I I went back to come from way during the, the pandemic, like Omicron was just coming up. And then one of the cast members got sick and literally got most of us sick. I think like it was a whopping 19 out of 24 people got it. So they had to shut down the show because everybody was sick, like literally everybody. Uh, So I got it that one time and I haven't gotten it again, knock on wood that that, I'm not changing that. Um, But yeah, I've only ever gotten it once. I'm thankful I've never gotten it because I, 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 you know, I'm kind of an introvert and I don't like, you know, I don't go out as much. Maybe that that's, that's why I don't know. Sure. Well, congratulations, honestly. Like, you did an amazing job. I'm impressed. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone I knew got it. I mean, I know my nephew got it. My sister got it. But they, you know, when they got it, they they were, like, quarantined away from us. Yeah. They're like, you know, because, like, we're not, you know, we're not even going to risk it. And even when we did, like, uh, family gatherings during uh, quarantine, when, like, they were just, like, lifting up restrictions. Yeah. I just kept my distance. I'm like, I'm not like, do not come near me. I will say hello to you, you. from from afar. Yeah. If you want to talk to me, please be at this distance from me because yeah. I don't want to be close. It, well, to you. it's a good thing you're more of an introvert because it would have been. Listen, it was hard for me because I'm an extroverted extrovert. So when it was like, hey, you can't leave your house or see anybody, I was like, oh god. It's the one time I wish I had roommates. You know what I mean? It's like, at least my roommates would be here and I could like hang out with them. But no, it was Zoom karaoke parties for me and uh, FaceTimes with my family in Ottawa. And yeah, baking bread, making making crafts. I took up roller skating in my apartment. I just moved my furniture and just roller skated. 
Um, God, what else? Like, yeah, I was just keeping myself busy with, with stuff, you know, <laughs> roller skating in your apartment. That's yeah. Oh goodness. That cause I was of... literally scared to go outside. Like I think my, we didn't know, like at the beginning, I didn't know. So I would like, I, I would go to the grocery store like once every three or four weeks, I would just buy a whole bunch of stuff, make sure I was like good. And I wouldn't have to go outside for a long time. Thankfully I had, um, I had a balcony. So I, you know, if I wanted to go outside, I would like go on the balcony. I did the whole like banging the pots thing. I don't know if you guys did that in Kuwait, but we, uh, to thank the first responders, we were doing banging pots at like 6 PM every night. I just like, honestly, when I think about it right now, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting a cold sweat, just like thinking about being in isolation. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, we should change the subject because this is so <laughs> triggering. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, you know. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I was just, I'm being funny, but um, yeah, it's just like, I think about, honestly, when I think about it, it was such a crazy, crazy time. It's just so crazy. I mean, listen, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened here, but if someone was like banging pots at like three in the morning, I would have like gone out there and just yelled at them <laughs> for doing that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and yelling at them would be like the only uh, inter interaction with another human I would have gotten in a long time. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah, the pandemic, my God, and pandemic and, and the arts. I mean, everything kind of like fell apart in front of our very eyes, kind of. I think for me, the biggest thing that happened during the pandemic was that once the art wasn't an option to do, I realized that I like, didn't know who I was without uh, the industry in a lot of ways. And I was just like, oh, I've never actually examined this thoroughly. Who is Steffi without, you know, like who is Steffi without the arts and who's Steffi without being on stage and who's Steffi when she's not singing a song or being somebody else. And uh, yeah, so, so, you know, it brought on a lot of interesting existential crises that I think were were uh that I needed to have that were important to have you know I mean if if any good came out of this whole mess it's it just made me realize that you know what life is short and make the best moments mm -hmm. possible with with the people you love or just just not even people you love just like go outside have a conversation with anybody like trust me you you will you know you, you'll be thankful for for doing that because like you yeah. know what you know <laughs> Yeah, I really hope that uh, people have taken that away. That's a, a beautiful thing to say. I think genuinely, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to take away. Again, like I love, I love talking to strangers. I'm talking to one right now. I mean, now we're basically friends. We've covered a lot of ground, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. I think it made us want to connect as humans, maybe a little bit more than we have in the past. And uh yeah, friends, family, strangers, being kind to people. You just never know what people are going through, you know, especially during the pandemic. It was just such a wild time. Um, yeah. Now that we're not so scared to, like, talk to people not six feet away, <laughs> you know? Yeah, now you can just go nuts and just be like, you know. <laughs> yeah, do, do whatever you want, basically, <laughs> almost, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's um 
Yeah. You know, for all the horrible things that happened during COVID, I think some good lessons came out of it. Some good, some good came out of it. Um, but also, yeah, I don't, I don't want to uh, imply that it wasn't a really dark time and a lot of people lost their lives and it was devastating. And yeah, I can't even imagine being in that. I, I ended up having a interesting journey during the pandemic, but I hope everybody at least got a little something out of it that was nice, or at least that they can carry with them moving forward. Yeah, I hope so too, honestly. And, yeah. um, you know, just hearing your story and how you, per, you know, you not only kept sane, but also like figured out who you were as a person through during quarantine. I, I really like that, honestly, because it's it's yeah. just that that's something I've been struggling with for a while now where I'm just wondering, like, OK, who who am I in general? Like, what am I good mm -hmm. at? What am I not good at? Um, You know, yeah, like, is it is it me? Is it is it not? Is it not me? And just. And just being like, hey, you know, maybe, like, and like I said, you know, life's short, you know, maybe it's time to, yeah. you know, come out of your shell and just like, you know, just live a little. Well, you sound like <laughs> you're coming out of your shell to me. You're hosting a podcast, so you're doing great. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad that you said that. I, I genuinely feel like um, uh, it's nice to hear somebody else um, having uh, thoughts like that as well, because I think like at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself every single day until, you know, you die and you have to, I don't know, like carve out, carve out for yourself. Like what, what meaning are you going to give your life? And if that's no meaning, that's okay too. But as long as you're making like a conscious choice, I always find that, yeah, like you, you have to wake up to yourself every day. So you might as well figure out who you are and what you stand for, what your values are, what your, I don't know, what you want your life to look like, what people you surround yourself with. And uh, yeah, I think all those questions came up for me during the pandemic. And admittedly, I'm not doing a perfect job right now, but um, I do think that I learned a lot of important information about um where I want to be and how I want to grow and how I want to show up in my relationships, whether it's with, you know, friends or family. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, I think investing in yourself and investing in getting to know yourself and committing to discovering who you are and what you like, what you don't like, what you stand for. I think that's what life's about. I think at the end of the day, not all of us are going to leave a mark on the world which is sad to to say that i don't mean it in a bad way i just means you know sometimes people are um just to quote like hamilton uh alexander hamilton the musical um you know he was obsessed with his legacy and what legacy he was going to leave behind um but his wife in the show keeps saying like if you stay alive and you raise our son and you do this like you're enough like this is enough and I think we forget that like just existing is incredible because the amount of stuff that had to align for you to become you and be born is like an insane concept that sometimes we don't give enough credit to. It is incredible that we ended up, that we all end up here. You know what I mean? Like that we all ended up here. So I just think 
sometimes existing is enough, but you might as well get to know yourself because you're going to be around yourself for however many years. And uh, you might as well, you know what I mean? Dig deep and uh, be vulnerable with your friends and open up and have fun conversations because I feel like on your deathbed, you're not going to be worried about, I don't know, that decision you didn't make or like that job thing you didn't get or that no that you had. I think, I don't know, when I think about it, I go, how much fun did I have? And like, who was I surrounded by? And how happy was I? You know, like how much fun did I have? Yeah. We're getting in real, real deep right now. <laughs> <laughs> like half the people are probably like tuned out by now. It's like, this oh is yeah. They're too- like, whoa, this is too existentialist <laughs> for me. I'm gonna not. So I'm sorry if you just got a bunch of people leave, like turn off your podcast because I'm thinking and talking about this right now, but so be it. We we learn to just say, you know what, haters, like the door's over there. Do whatever you need to do. No, I mean, I one of the things I love about my show is like, you know, I know an episode is good when we just venture off into like just nonsense or just like really deep conversations this... that just like, how did we get here? You know? <laughs> like... Isn't this what life is all about? Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to, you know, I was really under the impression I was coming on this podcast to just like talk about my career and stuff, which we've done totally, but I didn't think I'd be like, wow, this is the existential crisis I went through during the pandemic and here I am and on my deathbed, this is what I think. Like, it's really heavy stuff, but, you know, just like remember to have a good time and laugh today. (laughs) Yeah, um... Thank you so, so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been a phenomenal conversation. And, um, you know, if, if, you know, if you ever want to come back, you know, you know where to find me. Guess and, what? Uh... I'm coming back. <laughs> if you invite me, I'm not saying no, I'm going to come back because we had a great chat. You let me honestly, I, I um always tell my friends that if there was uh, an Olympic sport for, talking i feel like i would win like i'm excellent at just you let me go i will go for hours um i don't have any trouble talking so a you've been a marvelous host so thank you for having me and uh b uh i would love to be back anytime you let me know what the feedback is when your listeners hear this and they go please never have her on ever again she just made me really depressed talking about her being on her deathbed or maybe next time I can just stick to talking about my um my career. And that's okay, too. <laughs> uh, before I wrap this up, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on and where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me online on Instagram at SteffiD5. Uh, that's S-T-E-F-F-I-D-5, the number five. Uh, it's just because Steffi D wasn't available. So I had to put my favorite number at the end, which is five. Um, <laughs> I also have a website, which is how you found me, uh, Steffi D.ca. Um, you can also write to me if you want me to be on your podcast and talk about pandemic, my career, death, whatever you want. <laughs> um, you can write to me on there. And, uh, I do have something coming up, but unfortunately, because of NDAs, I'm not allowed to talk about it quite yet. But um, I am going to be appearing in a few TV shows that are coming out. Um, One of them's coming out in the fall. The other couple of things I shot this year, I don't know yet. 
Um, but there you'll, you'll see me, you're going to see me keep up with me on my socials. I'm going to be posting about it. Cause honestly it was all bucket list stuff, like so much fun on set. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't be any more specific. It just has to be really vague right now, but, uh, keep up with me on social media and, uh, you'll know when the stuff comes out. And when that stuff clears, we'll probably get you back on here so we can talk Perfect. about it in more there detail. There you go. <laughs> and then you can watch it and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.